We're back. It's the A to Z podcast, post-baseball edition. Indians have 162 in the books. The Browns are going back to the Super Bowl, and we are here to talk about it all. Zach Jackson, Andre Knott, at Akron Jackson, at Dre Knott, on most of your favorite social media platforms. A to Z podcast.com, facebook.com, slash A to Z podcast. As always, we appreciate the support we get from Honeymoon Grill, from Scene, from American Fireworks, and from Cleveland Whiskey. We appreciate you guys for listening, for helping this thing grow. Um, if you're new here, if you're in a work environment, if there are kids around, we do get excited and say bad words sometimes, venture into mature slash immature subjects. So if that's not for you or uh, you need to put your headphones on, we understand. We don't want anybody to get in trouble. For listening to Grow up and stop being scared. So, talk to the most relieved man in the world, my friend Andre. I am. That's the God out of truth. I um, I am in the best. You know what? And I, I kind of feel, I don't feel bad, but I do feel bad because I know there's people that are listening to this podcast. And they're like, hey, man, in the last couple of weeks, you could have, last couple of weekends, we could have met up. And you're right. And I didn't even meet up with Zach. And Zach and I were actually in the same, uh, I, wouldn't, I don't want to say same area. Over the weekend, but literally, if I would have had a normal summer, I would have came and found you Saturday night in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I literally fell asleep in my. I went to dinner after the game Saturday, after the Indians game Saturday, and literally fell asleep in my clothes and woke up at three thirty in the morning with a TV blaring at me. That tells you how baseball season worked. I had no. I had all kinds of plans. I had text messages from other athletic writers saying, "Hey, come to this place. Come to this place." And then I just realized the last time I went somewhere I shouldn't have gone in the D.C. area. I ended up in the scene magazine of D.C. with <laughs> bottles of stuff I didn't even drink before. And somehow my conscience at 41 years old told my fat old butt, close your eyes. So the last night before the last regular season game of the year, usually everybody goes out. You got I was all these Cleveland guys in town with the, with the Browns taking on the Ravens. We all had these grandioso plans, and I stayed in my bedroom the whole night. One inch. Very telling of the 2019 baseball season. Yeah, um, you know, while it's here, let's let's do the autopsy, at least the first version of it on the tribe. Um, you know, they overcame a lot. It wasn't enough, and you know, it's a trophy or Jordan face society. Uh, I just think when you look at it, and obviously you know a thousand times better than I do. You know, you can point to different parts. You can point back to the off season. You can point to the pitching injuries. You can point to all the all the adversity. Um, maybe, maybe it just wasn't meant to be. It was one of those years. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't want to get in trouble. Sure. And I don't say that very, I don't say that very often, because uh, I got my own raw emotions towards it too. But I, you know, I agree with what you just said. Um, I, I will just say this, um, and I know I've done this as well. And there's a conversation you and I will have after this podcast. I know there's times where I'm down on said players, said management, said this or that. Um, I tip my cap and just say respect to the guys that battled all, all year long. Uh, they they weren't destined to be a playoff team or win a World Series this year for multiple reasons. Uh, but I'll say this. The manager did about the best freaking job I've ever seen him do. I can't believe they won 90-plus games. Uh, we didn't want to see them in the playoffs, people. And I kind of I tried to say that nicely about three, four weeks ago. Uh, they would have gotten to the playoffs, and it just would, it would have been ugly. They, they weren't going to be able to beat Houston uh, in a series. We saw what happened last year when they were actually set up to do it. Uh, and some, a coach told me something that, was, that I never thought of, and of course I wouldn't because I haven't been in the game as long as them. 
it is hard to win in the playoffs when you don't turn over your pitching or change some of your pitching and you keep going to the playoffs year in and year out. Um, the Corey Quiver injury in the long run in 2019 didn't help at all, but it may help in 2020 and maybe even 21 because he had to be gassed after all the innings he pitched. Yeah. Um, like I said, at the end of the day, like, and I don't know, this isn't, you know, everybody, and, and look, in this day and age, it's always got to be somebody's fault. It's always got, we always got to put our finger. Um, and that's fine. I'll let you guys do that. But the team that the, that the Indians put on the field, they gave you what they had. They gave you everything. And they simply ran out of gas. These last three, four games were hard to watch. But I'm telling you, and I started, and I started this podcast by saying, if I was out of gas and not willing to meet one of my best friends out on a, on a night on the town where I had no care in the world, um, that pretty much sums up the whole team. We all were laying in our beds in our, in our dress clothes. Um, I think, you know, I've heard people say, and I, I used to work on a radio show that had an idiot that used to say, how can a ball player get tired? All they do is go to a baseball field and play. I'd like to see some of you fat asses go to the same play, go to a ball field for six months straight. And, and try to play. I mean, it's tiring. And it's not even and, – and, and Tito finally admitted it to me on Friday or Saturday. It's not even the physical – being physically tired. It's the mental. Um, you know, whether it's missing my son's, five, you know, five-year-old – his five-year-old birthday or missing family stuff or just, just simply missing home. <laughs> like, just like missing your bed, missing your couch. We had some dudes that were running on fumes, and that showed up this weekend. So – well, sure. I, I mean, look, it's, it was bad. Well, it's not like they lost the playoff spot in the ninth inning on Sunday, right? It it came crashing right. down last week. Like this team was not going to win, right? This team was no. done winning games. I mean, hell, you had Jose Ramirez had no business coming back and playing, and I literally saw people bitching. And I and I and look, I get it. A lot of people on Twitter and a lot of people that say things about sports are just stupid. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. And I'd be the same way if I went to half a year jobs. I wouldn't know what I was talking about, but that's why I wouldn't tweet about it. But I literally have people the first day they didn't have him in the lineup going, what the hell? Why is it like he's not in the lineup because his hand is fucking killing him. (laughs) Like it's throbbing. It's like, do you see after he hits home runs, nobody's giving him high. He's not giving anybody high fives with it. The dude has no business out there playing, but he was willing to give himself up. He was willing to do that for his team. Kipnis was like, they all were, they all played with stuff they shouldn't have played with. Uh, I just, like, I know how these things go. I just – and like I said, I'm closer than most, so I obviously have to look differently and see things differently. I took my cap because I know what it was like when we got on the plane yesterday. It was like it was it was almost a, a deep breath, of, a sigh of relief almost of we tried, we're done, we all want to just go home and, and take a nap. And we can talk at another time about why it got like that because there's reasons. Um, but the guys that played every night and, and the guys that coached and managed – Tip your caps to them. They gave you the best that they had, Cleveland. Trust me. All right, so this this is a question for later, mostly, but I'm going to ask it now because I think it's a good way to, to close the, this part of the autopsy, right? Um, yeah. How do they get closer to the Astros? How do they put themselves in position to where they can eventually get where they want to go? <laughs> um, <you're right. laughs> I got an answer. I, well, let's be, just to be frank, pitching-wise, they're, they're – Look, and this is why we, we kept selling ourselves three weeks ago, four weeks ago on, like, let's get in. We may have a chance. Pitching-wise, if you get Clev the way Clev had been, Clev was this year and Bieber was this year, 
You're not afraid. That's why the Indians – they still have a chance next year. Depending on what happens with Lindor, whether they trade him or keep him, and and I think all is on the table when it comes to Frankie, um, no matter what that situation is, you have already, without, without making any trades, I'm not saying you have Verlander, Garrett Cole, but you at least have two guys that you can put on the mound against them that you wouldn't get embarrassed by. And I don't think there's anyone else other than the Dodgers – in the playoffs that can say that. Does that make, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, that makes the Dodgers sense. Can, the Dodgers can say, because I, I just think Houston's about to run rough shot over this playoffs. And, they, and they, I might be wrong, but the, the Astros right now are set up just to kick everybody's butt. But I would say because of Clevenger, because of Bieber, you hope that Kluber gets back to being Kluber when he's back. And because of Carrasco, um, and then you can put Plesak in the bullpen. Pitching-wise, Zach, they have a legitimate chance in a year from now for us to be talking about them having a chance to win the World Series. Now, in saying that, whether you trade Lindor or whether you keep Lindor, you got to build some offense. You lose a Michael Brantley hurt. Getting Mercado and Mercado becoming what he became is awesome. Um, they need one or two more at bats, and I think they can. Comp- and I literally think because of their manager, because of their pitching coach, because of the depth they have in the minors. I mean, let's put it this way. You're going to have a guy that could, that almost won 10, 12 games this year in the big leagues, possibly have to start the season in the minors next year. Like Aaron Savali doesn't – like I know I don't know how many games he won or lost, but he was damn good. I know five, six starts and only two runs allowed in six innings. You may have to look at him next year and say, sorry, bro, there's nowhere – you don't fit anywhere. Like you got to go back to AAA. You can tell that to a couple pitchers. So they have the pitching depth. So either they have to change – they have to trade some of this pitching depth and get him back. Um, but the, and you know, and, and look, this will be answered before we get to spring training. I hope they spend Jason Kipnis's sixteen, fifteen million dollars. That's what I'll say. Yeah, no, that I mean, that's mandatory, right? That that's keeping up with the Joneses, um, right? No doubt about it. But here's the specific question: Why I asked that, right? And and we talk here, um, and you know, sometimes we know what we're talking about, sometimes we don't, but we don't make any of the decisions. <laughs> and I think you go back right. three years, right? And everybody, not everybody, but the people that wanted to tell us that Sashi Brown was saving football. Well, what did you say? The dumping of the bad contracts and the acquiring draft picks is the easy part. The hard part is what you're building, yes. right? Yes. Now, yes. as we watch football, and not just the Browns, now that everybody has a code for the All-22 and everybody has their own spreadsheet and chart and all this <laughs> stuff, everybody's got it figured out, right, what, what personnel group you should be in, what you should be doing on first down. But how do you actually get there, right? Like, everybody right. can tell right. your flaws. It's how do you actually get right. there. And so before no. we go any further, my hat's off to Freddie Kitchens and to Baker Mayfield for having a couple really bad weeks and coming out and getting back to what worked last year. You know, I don't yep. know how much of the playbook they tinkered with. I don't know how much they, they flat out burned. They got back to playing an aggressive, imaginative style, to feeding Jarvis Landry because he was going to be open and defeating Nick Chubb because he's a motherfucking monster. And all of a sudden, they dropped a 40-burger on the Ravens. So you would love for Chubb to run for 88-yard touchdowns all the time. You would love to just be able to say, I can throw the the six-yard pass on first and ten all the time, and it'll never get taken away. That's not how it goes. But they got back to simplifying. They went about what they knew worked, and they did it. And they feel good today. They're in first place. It was not a great September for the Browns. But I just want to say the defense is playing really well. The offense took a big step forward. 
And with all things considered, specifically now being able to draw a line through that week one game and say, what the hell was that? Two and two in this division with your offense showing signs of life and still having room to grow. Everyone involved should be real happy and real excited today. Two and two after the month that they had with all the new players they have. And I am like, because I'm going to say something that's going to come off negative, but I want to say the positives first. With what they have and what they're trying to put together, Browns fans, and I don't need to tell you jackasses to do this because you do it already, you should be running a parade that they are 2-2 two and two, and that people didn't expect there would be hiccups early in the season, I guess just shows the, the blind nature that we have towards what the goals are and how to get to those goals. Um, and once again, it's not a video game and you're dealing with human beings. You use the key word talking about the offense that, that made me feel good when I was sitting in, I was, I was less than 50 miles away from where that game was yesterday. And trust me, we all would have rather been over at the football game than doing one more baseball game. But that's the nature of the business. But you use the word, imagine it. The offense had, the offense did not allow the Baltimore Ravens to key in on one thing. And that's what became so obvious, in my opinion, in the first three games. And I get this. It's just like, all right, my son, AJ, turned five yesterday. But because I was gone, we bought him some toys last week. You know, so he had a birthday party last Sunday. He had a party somewhat with some of his family and friends yesterday. And he's going to have another one tomorrow now that I'm back here. (laughs) And because we didn't know when I was going to be home. So when he was having one with my dad, or having one with me. So we didn't have a birthday, birthday party last week. But we had, like, Rob and his kid over because his kid's birthday is today. And we kind of gave him a gift last week just in case I'd be gone most of this week. So the point to this is, though, is that on this, you know, Sunday, yesterday, when he woke up, it was his birthday. And Jen and I had to give, like, his, his number one gift. And, by the way, you laugh all you want. The only thing I spoil my kids with when it's their birthday, they get, they get a week, just like their dad would get drunk for a week from, from 21 on. <laughs> it's still. Um, AJ's got a bunch of new toys, but there's one toy that he can't put down. Like I just went and took him to get a haircut, like driving to school. He's got this thing that he's been wanting for like three months and yeah, he's got a couple other toys and he may get more tomorrow, but there's one toy, his OBJ that he can't put down. And that was the Browns offense the first three weeks of the season, despite having all these fresh toys and all these toys, anybody in the world would want to have in Nick Chubb and Jarvis Landry, the Browns were so steadfast on, I got to play with our new toy. We got to play with this, this Odell Beckham Jr. toy that we got. It's got all these fancy things on it. The color of the hair changes, the visor changes. It's got $2 million watches on. <laughs> and, it's, and, it, it like, and it blinds you of all the other toys and all the other fun you can have with all the other toys and all the success you can have because this one is so shiny. And, it's, and, and just like my son, who were in my car as we're driving to get a haircut, and he drops one of, his, one, of the, the, one of the little toys, one of the trinkets that comes with it, the $2 million watch, he forgets that he still has all these other toys sitting in his lap. But the shiny thing is the thing that keeps glaring at him that he has to play with because it's so shiny. I thought it was beautiful yesterday that they basically said, hey, Odell, we love you. We, we, we need you. We want you, but brother, you got to step in. The, you got to step in the name of love, and you got to you got to fit in with what got us here, and then we'll figure out how to put you in, right? Because you wrote it perfectly yesterday, and what you wrote yesterday in your first—I don't know—you may have written something since, 
But you just wrote about how Jarvis, and it's, we talked about this on the podcast like a month ago, a month and a half ago, about the importance of Jarvis Landry. But yeah, he's not the four-two shiny guy. He's not. He's not the shiny toy, right? But he's the old reliable toy. He's a reliable toy that you can put in the slot. You can put in the backfield. You can you can put him in motion. You can move him all over the place. He'll run somebody over. He does. He isn't. He isn't quick and fancy like 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 Odell. But man, when you get him in open field, there ain't many safeties or corners that want to mess with him. And we saw that yesterday. He gave them. He gave them an identity offensively yesterday, right? And it sucks that he got the concussion. So kudos to both the just everyone involved in the offense. Look, this doesn't mean Odell's going to get two catches for twenty yards every week, but to get everything else to work, you got to remember who you are. And yesterday, I felt like the Browns remembered who they were. Pretty well said. <laughs> I'm laughing at a couple of those analogies. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause, and I said it nicely. Yeah, but no, you did. The shiny, the, the shiny stuff don't win you championships. Is my point. Right. The stuff that my kid, AJ, will be playing. He'll forget that little shiny toy that he dropped. He won't. But the stuff he'll be playing with is the stuff that was in his lap, and he didn't even realize it because that shiny stuff that he just got is falling, and he doesn't want to lose grip of it. Not that Odell's not going to be important. He is. Yeah. But to be honest, he's a cherry on top to this offense, right? right? Listen, like, he, 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 like he, <laughs> You dropped a 40-burger in Baltimore, and Odell Beckham got Ricky Seals-Jones open, right? So it worked. Right, right, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's, like, so, that's how this game works. I, I want to say this. We, are, we mentioned one of our favorite A to Z-isms at the very top, the trophy or the Jordan face. When you start playing yep. at a high level, that's what you get, right? When you're involved, when you're a coach, when you're a scout, when you're a player, it really is about the little victories. And one thing I truly believe in sports is you're always getting better or worse, and you always have to evaluate yourself. Uh, difficult – you know, in difficult manners when you win and you always have to find positives when you lose, right? Because the train keeps a rolling and the next team is trying to beat you, right? But in the bigger picture, in this big-ass business that we're all in, that we all follow, that we all love, you either win or you don't sometimes, right? And in the NFL, what has made the NFL the monster that it is, Dre, is that you play once a week. So whether you're a player, a coach, a water boy, a season ticket holder, a casual fan, whatever, you live and die for that Sunday or Monday and then Monday or Tuesday, you either are happy as hell or you hurt like hell, right? And the good yep. teams, the mature teams, the people that get it, they understand it's not always going to go well. You have to counterpunch. You have to circle the wagons. And frankly, the beginning of the season, sometimes you have to have bad to do good. And that's in diagramming plays. That's in developing strengths. And that's just in finding out if you got guys in your locker room that are worth a shit to take on a battle. Because this team is rightly, I so, thinking about Week 16, 17, 18, 19, right? Whereas in the past so many teams, we've been talking about the draft by Thanksgiving, right? So I just want to say this about this team in particular. Part of what makes them so fascinating is, yes, if you're involved with the Browns or a Browns fan, you should be happy as hell today. Five times ever have they won in Baltimore. Baltimore was getting all this talk, all this hype, number one offense in the league, hadn't turned a ball over, came in there and strangled them. With eight minutes and 15 seconds left, the entire section in front of me cleared out. The game was over, Andre. I don't care what Willie Snead did. Beautiful. The, the game was over, and the Browns earned it. They hit the shit up. Jermaine Whitehead leveled Mark Ingram. You know, they, the defense stayed disciplined. It's only six yeah. penalties. Earned that game. And so all this happiness comes. Whereas a week ago, right, it was Freddie's outmatched. 
Baker looks small. Right. You know, and, right. and Baker wasn't his normal self, right? So I'll say this. The truth is a week ago that the truth was somewhere in the middle between all the people that crowned Baker as the greatest ever and then all the people that wrote him off last week because it always is. The truth was in the middle. Same this week. Yeah. Same this week. Right. The truth <laughs> was in the middle between Freddie has no idea what he's doing. I cannot believe we hired this idiot. And Freddie is the offensive guru of offensive gurus, and the guys absolutely love him. Right? Same this yeah. week. Yeah. Right? What's different about this team and what makes them so fascinating is they're going to try to ride it right along with you. You and your you and your cubicle in Columbus, you listening to the radio in Cleveland, you listening to podcasts right now because that's Baker's personality, because that's Freddie's personality, because Odell's out there every week, and he's not – he didn't – you know, Marlon Humphrey's not the only guy that wants to choke his ass out, right? So in a way, that makes <laughs> it fun. And I think what you saw yesterday from both the offense and the defense – the defense sets you up, and the offense finally responds with a drive to put the game away. Is is that's what makes it fun? But man, buckle up because it is a long, long, long way from from here to where they're going. Yeah. Because it, it is a, point. when you do that, it is emotionally exhausting, and that goes yeah. back to the top of this yeah. conversation, right? It's not just physical. Nope. It's not just dealing with things you can't control or, or dealing with the losing streak or not having your star player for a game or a week or a month, right? It's the emotional. Right highs and lows yeah if you really are yes. ever going to play with the big boys you have to manage those first you have and i'm glad you said that because you are dead on and this is the only and this is this is me being nitpicky but it's a little bothersome for me i put it this way do you think in, like like they're two and two if i hear one more radio station and every and i get it we haven't been there very often we haven't lived this but all this bragging about being in first place at two and two Kind of makes my skin crawl. I'm just being honest. Let's get over five. Like number one, and but I and, and I get it. Like so, I'm yelling at myself. I understand the excitement, but at the same time, I'm not that excited. Excited about being two and two, knowing that there's 12 games left, and there are all the ups and downs that come along with the football season. And I know that our fan base just has gone through so much that it's easy. They're very excitable, right? It's easy to get excited very quickly because, well, hell, when's the last time we've had a chance to do this? You know, you just mentioned they only beat Baltimore and Baltimore five times since they've come back. Uh, you know, and I think somebody, like, I, I get the excitement, but let's chill. Like, in most, and I always say this, in most in most football cities, if they were 2-2 two and two on October 1, they'd be okay with it, and they'd say we got a lot of work to do if we want to finish in first place. Here, because we have not seen that orange helmet or the name Cleveland at the top of the AFC North almost ever, and this plays into the emotional roller coaster, right? Yeah. Like so, we're so we're 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 so high right now. Don't let those 49ers hurt our feelings, and we wake up Tuesday morning, and we're back in second place or somewhere we don't think we should be. I just think when you talk about that emotion, like I, I as soon as people were like, "Oh, first place," I'm like, "Yeah, but you're two and two. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, hey, you know what? And I, you, you just said it. This team, this new team, has never beaten the Ravens, and the Steelers in the same year. So that's a goal that's right. there for you, right? And you right. know damn well that at the end of the year when it shakes out, when you win, when you maybe win one you, you didn't think you could or you lose one that really pisses you off, winning in Baltimore can be one of those that, that allows you to still get in, right? Or keeps you alive no for those last two, three weeks, whatever it may be, right? But there's no trophy for beating Baltimore and no. Pittsburgh. It's a step along the way. No. In this trophy or Jordan face world, and and right? and there's no trophy 
for being in first place on October 1st no, either. There's not. So I got one story I want to tell from because we didn't I'm, get to do I'm one sure, last I'm week. Sure, I'm sure a TV shirt, a T-shirt company will, will sell you on that. But yeah. trust me, people, that don't mean shit. T-shirt companies, <laughs> call us. We'll quit, pay us. We'll quit making fun of you. Anyway, um, <laughs> temporarily. <laughs> Here's the truth. (laughs) So there's one story we we didn't get to do one last week because of stupid baseball, Um, and and I don't have a problem saying that because the people that already hate me, whatever. Anyway, um, there was one moment that sticks in my mind from the Rams game, and believe it or not, Dre was not the fourth and nine, and it was not the absolute lack of confidence in the last four plays. It was the Rams early in the half, trailing at halftime. Get they get a drive going right. And they get to maybe like the Browns 25-ish. I don't know. I don't have the thing in front of me. And it's second down. I remember that. And they come out of the huddle. And I can tell by Goff's uh, body language as, he, as he's lining guys up that, that nothing's right. And he looks over at the sideline. Yep. He doesn't panic, but he just looks. And he starts looking back. And then he starts barking the other way. You know, did they not have the right group on? Did someone break the huddle to the right instead of the left? I don't know. But anyway, I see this coming. I'm locked in on Goff. So I see McVeigh, and he's maybe like 12 yards behind the play when it starts, right? That makes me think that they were right. like at the 25, 20-yard line. And he okay. is just calmly walking straight for the official, who is maybe 15, 20 yards away, right? And McVeigh is walking, and Goff looks back for the second time and looks over and sees McVeigh. McVeigh just kind of puts his hand up, goes down, glances at the formation himself, then calmly turns to the official and says, timeout. They come over. There's no screaming. There was no demonstrative whatever. They ran the play. They finished the drive with a touchdown. And you know this not just from playing American Fireworks Glory Days, but you spent many years on that sideline in the game's highest level. And we know football at any level is a violent, intense, emotional, loud game. right? And you have to reel those in. You have to play with a level of poise and keep a level of calm amid the storm. And I just saw a team – that has done it, that has been there, that they did that. And whatever it was, minor or major, they finished the drive. They won the game, whether the Browns gifted them or not. And that's just an impression that I've been waiting over a week now to share because eventually if you're going to get that trophy, that's where you got it. Yeah. I got to say that's the impressive thing. And that scares me because I can, as you tell that story, I remember the first time we went traveling with the Browns, we traveled to New England and you know, this was in the mid. The heck, this is what probably oh six, oh five, and I'll never forget how, like how noisy it was when the Browns were on offense, and it was Da. So it's probably oh six, or was, and when remember, and you probably remember this. And anybody that's going to a New England Patriots game, God bless your heart. When New England's on the field, you can you can hear a pin drop. It's so quiet. You can hear every one of Tom Brady's audibles when something isn't right. Like, you know, like, it's the same thing. Now, I got to – that you just said with the Rams. And to me, if I'm on the other side of that, that scares me. <laughs> because you don't get that on both sidelines until you, t- you get to that graduate course level, right? Yeah. Where it's like, all right, we know this isn't right. Pull the plug before it gets worse. Um, and that takes being together a long time. That takes understanding what defenses are trying to do to you. Um, I think that was a part, another part of the Browns' problem the first couple of weeks. I think that, and just like anyone else, you almost they almost have too much. They almost have too much to play with. 
You know what I mean? Like, it's like, and, and the defenses are going, well, you know what? We're just going to kick the hell out of your guards or your tackles because your tackles can't beat us right now. And we're, we're not going to give you time to play with your new shiny toy. And, like, even when I had a double reverse yesterday, like, I'm instantly like, all right, and, you, and, and, and I'm not here to bash. But that dude better start catching stuff or he's going to get caught and get cut, by the way. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about, Radley. Yeah. What is, why can't he catch? But <laughs> like, he literally drops. Never mind. I'm not going to kill him because he's fast. And he's going to lose the job probably anyway once everybody gets healthy, if everybody gets healthy. But that calm story, I love that story because it tells you where McVay is at. It tells you where golf is at. And I got to tell you something, after that 55 burger they gave up yesterday at Tampa, they better get a little uncalm because I think people have kind of figured out that offense. To be honest with you, yeah. Well, no, like they're, the way they're in a that, tough the... spot because Jared Goff is a clearly a flawed guy. And remember, we talked about after the Super Bowl how that's the kind of loss that haunts mm-hmm. him. You know, and yeah. I thought Sean McVay yeah. did the right thing in the off season when he said, "I'll sign this extension, but you better extend Goff." Like that's our guy. However, you know, uh, it, that that'll that'll stay with you, right? It's September. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you something. Sean McVay is smart, but he ain't outsmarting anybody right now, Zach. Bill Belichick showed people how to beat that offense. They only, and I said yeah. this around the Super Bowl, they only have like three sets. No, and it, and like in the NFL, the word is you can tell how their how teams are playing them, and everybody goes, "Oh, girl, he's hurt." There's no running lanes like it used to be. No one's playing off the play action. They don't go to the shot. And I'm not I'm like these are things I'm saying, and I don't watch all 90 plays of the Rams, right. but I know what I did watch. I'm watching the Tampa Bay team, not afraid of their guys getting downfield on them. Not not even giving a rat's ass about the play action because they're hitting girly every play regardless. I just think that Rams team is a team to watch. Even the, hey, the Browns, I'll give them credit. They beat up on that offense as well. The Rams are a really good team, and I like that they're calm, but something ain't right right now. No, you're right. Um, we got to get out of here soon. Later in the week, we'll, we'll do Glory Days and our Obscure Browns Player of the Week and, and all, all right. that. We can finally say we'll, well have time ask... to do a second podcast. Yeah. Baseball. Oh, so... we're going to have plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, we, may do, we may do three. We may do another one tomorrow. I ain't got nothing but to do you up tomorrow. I, I want to I close with – and we always – when we close with one thing, it always becomes seven. So thank you guys for sticking with us. But I, I want to <laughs> give a real optimistic observation here from the first couple weeks of the NFL. Well, I, I want to give one – one negative one that's not necessarily Browns related, and then one real Browns okay. optimistic one. Okay. Um, okay. The pass interference system <laughs> and, and officiating in general are a mess in the NFL. And trash. Even the poised, and that seems to be a word that keeps coming up in this podcast, and most veteran officials, Dre, this whole thing where you maybe let a play play. Because you know it'll get yeah. corrected on review. That's a dangerous precedent. That's that's something very that can go dangerous. off the, the cliff real quick. So I worry about that. Uh, I get the intent of the pass interference rule, but they're making it clear that they're not going to overturn it unless it's something that's nope. auto-reviewed, unless there's completely egregious evidence that an assault yeah. occurred. Yep. Right? And I, I think guys are officiating accordingly. I think that's that's a little scary. We'll see how it plays. I, I don't have the answer right now, so I'm not going to go any deeper. I just I, I hate the product. When, when I see those things Bye. happen, right? Um, like yep. on Thursday night, the announcers were so confidently, well, of course that that's good officiating. Let them play. Ooh, I don't know. That's scary, scary officiating when something happens right in front of you and you don't call it, right? Um, that's, yeah, yeah. That's, that's your job. Right. Your job is to so, call the calls. The, this is a little premature, but I really believe this. So I have watched 
at least a chunk of all four Chicago Bears games this year. And that defense is fucking amazing. I mean, they fly to the ball, they play together, and they change games. And now they've beaten up bums for the most part, I know. Um, But they're amazing. I will say this. Maybe only 20%, maybe only 30%. But there have been flashes, and just flashes, just stretches, where I have seen the Browns' defense look a little like the Bears. So it's a start. They they, they got some pieces. Browns got some pieces, man. Yeah. They do. They got some pieces. Yeah. So we'll see. There's um, a lot there's a lot that comes along with it, but they got some pieces. Let me say one three, thing about the fishing. There are three undefeated teams left in the NFL. The Browns play two of them in their next three games. They go back on the road this week, then they have another short week where last time they got all beat up and didn't have their dudes come back and play a Seattle team that is just really good, uh and and really professional and poised uh in most cases. So we will see what happens. But the feel good vibes are understandable. They should be real, and we'll see how they ride this wave because we know that we know that's what they're going to do. Let me say this about the officiating that scares me, like it scares you. It's reminded me very much of the system Major League Baseball has, where they go to New York and they go to other officials or other Major League Baseball referees to check plays and replay. And I, and I and I'm not. It's going to sound like I'm calling people out. To me, it's unbelievable, Zach, though, in three or four years of it, every year it comes back that they turn over 49 to 50%. So it's basically 50-50. And I'm not the – I just don't see how that percentage is, is possible and how that's possible every single year. But then when you look at it, when you're going back to replay in baseball, you have major league umps, and they're all in the same union, and they're going back to the other umps. And how many times do you think umps want to embarrass other umps? Right. Zero. Zero. I just think this, it's flawed in baseball. I think it's flawed in football. I understand that both games are very difficult and in an NBA. I'll take it a step further. These games with professional athletes going at the speed and pace that they are and with how quickly things happen, it is one of the most difficult jobs in the world. There's no doubt about it. I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want to deal with the yelling, screaming, and how quick you have to make the calls. And in saying that, 90% of the time, and I may be off, that's just an opinion, I, you know, most of the time, these guys and gals get the calls right when everything's going 100 miles an hour. And to me, that's amazing in its own right because most of us could never call, get balls, strikes, holding, whatever, right. get it down pat that quickly. But when we do go to replay and we do put the replay – look, the replay was put in for the NFL for the, the, uh, the offensive pass interference because of one of the worst missed calls of all time. Like, that – like, that – like – you don't change every. I get why they change everything, but you don't change everything because one crew made such a terrible call. Because now you see all these guys coming together, and I said we said this yesterday on the plane. We were watching games. I was like, nobody's going to overturn an offensive interference. We were watching like uh, who game was it? They threw a hail mary at the end, and there was like two guys getting banged on it. And Underwood and I looked at each other and we're like, "There's a time to throw the flag and get it. It's here." And I go, and I go, but they'll never call that at the end of the game, yeah. even though that is. Pass interference. Like, we know that. So, they put the refs in a bad situation. A lot of the NFL refs, the good ones, the ones that you knew, um, not Hockley's son, who lets people get choked out, um, They, the good ones have moved on and gone to TV because they don't want the headache anymore. Exactly. And can you blame, Listen, and can you blame them? It is, it is time <laughs> for a deep and non-reactionary um, – mm-hmm review of the whole review system for lack of better word yeah because listen yes i don't want odell beckham to get kicked out of the game no browns fan wants odell beckham to get kicked out of the game 
The NFL doesn't want Odell Beckham to get kicked out of the game. But when he clearly throws a punch, and then the guy he tries to punch tries to end his life on the field for 35 seconds after, and nobody gets ejected, when we have 18 cameras to show everybody exactly what happened, <laughs> right. right? What That's are we doing? Problem. That's what are we a doing? problem. That's <laughs> a problem. That's a problem. You can't have that. No. You cannot have it. Because as much as Freddie Kitchens comes out today, and I agree wholeheartedly with him, I don't want to see my any player with, with hands or – like I, what Humphrey did was – like you can't do that. You cannot do that. You should sit out. You he should miss a game check for that. You can't. You can't choke anybody anywhere in life, and you just get slapped right. on the hand. Exactly. You cannot do that. Like like you just like that's not. We can't make that okay. Like that. It's not. Like and I don't give a crap what a guy's done. I don't care what OBJ said. I don't care if he challenged his manhood. If he asked him on a date, or if he asked, he said he took his girlfriend on a date. Whatever. You cannot have that. Period. And like, and how they like, it, like it, it just can't happen. And there's no sense for us going back and forth on it. That's a pretty obvious thing for us both to say. I will say this though, and I'm asking this question as we as we retire from this. How much is OBJ? And I haven't watched every single play. I've seen about every play. Has he lined up in the slot at all this year? Yeah, uh, a little bit. A little on fourth bit. down a against the Rams, bit, right? he was in the slot. Yeah. yeah, right. It was fourth down. Um. But I'm not complaining about the off the They put a 40-burger on Baltimore. What I'm trying to say is it's so early in the season. There's so many things offensively that we still have not seen sure. for most teams. Um, let's just all breathe. The good this teams find their groove in November, right? Yes, thank you. And that's why I'm saying we don't need to brag about being in first place at 2-2. Two and two. Yeah. I know it's all this is all new to us. Just enjoy beating the crap out of Baltimore. Don't brag about being in first. Don't be like the radio stations that pump up that they put a freaking character, uh, that they're the home of a character that dresses up like a fucking pumpkin. Because that's still embarrassing. Uh, and he's got his own bobblehead now, which so, is even more embarrassing. Congrats, anyway, Cleveland. Uh, it's October on Tuesday. We still got some great outside weeks left. Uh, American yeah. Fireworks is always open 24 7, 365 at AmericanFireworks.com. And as we get out of here, we're going to play a very abbreviated version of American Fireworks Glory Days. Being in Baltimore yesterday, Dre, uh, Nick Chubb <laughs> reminded me of Jamal Lewis. He really Yes. Did. He really did. All right. We don't plan this stuff. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. It's just a healthy, young Jamal Lewis. Not the Jamal Lewis that we got back in 07 that, that banged and away. And we'll never for forget what Butch Davis said when if it wasn't for those 380-yard runs, the Browns did a pretty good job on Jamal Lewis. <laughs> Kenny Jamal Butch, we'll talk to you next time on A to Z. Kenny <laughs>